Hey everyone, and welcome to the Dark Cast. I'm your host, Jonathan, and this is DCI number 113. In this episode, Brian and I are joined by Eric Daniels and Chris Bashar of Kingdom Games to talk about their first project, Five Guardians of David. Five is an action RPG in the vein of Diablo, set in the biblical land of Canaan with the backdrop of David, the slayer of Goliath, as he rises to become king. For more information about Five Guardians of David, check out the links in the show notes to this episode on darkstation.com. We hope you enjoy this episode. Now on with the show. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us on the podcast. We are delighted to have you here. Chris and David, uh, if you don't mind just telling us a little bit about uh, you know who you guys are, what, what you're doing at uh, Kingdom Games. Uh, well, uh, I'm here. I'm Chris. Uh, I'm here. I'm the community manager, so I'm in charge of all the, the fun stuff, all the front end. If you want to talk to someone, to at Kingdom, to Kingdom, if you're seeing anything on social media, blog posts, the Steam forums. Uh, generally, most emails. If you get if you get a response from inside the studio, <laughs> most likely it's coming to me, and then also the the de facto uh, web guy at the moment. And doing a great job. Um, this is Eric Daniels. I handle the marketing side of it. Uh, spent a lot of time with Chris, and things have been a lot of fun of late. We launched back in November, and um, you know, working with advertisers, coming up with cool art. Uh, reaching out to uh, reviewers, uh, influencers, and other fun people out there that love to play games. Influencers. I, I love that word for people who play video games online. Influencers. Uh, that's, uh, yes. <laughs> I was just introduced to that like back in October, I think. Uh, everybody was talking about influencers, and I was like, I don't, I don't know what that means. Aren't we all kind of influencers? But w- whatever. Um... <laughs> In a way, in a way, in our own social circles. We try, you know. Um, but yeah, so re- really glad to have you guys on the um, on the podcast with us here tonight. Um, if you could talk a little bit, you know, more about what exactly you're doing. Uh, obviously, the game has launched, so I imagine your your roles have kind of shifted some from you know uh, production to post production. What what has that kind of been like launching your your first game? Well, uh, it's it's exciting, it's scary, it's fun, you know, uh, it's, uh, we launched in November, uh, we've been on the market about almost two months now, we're, we're coming up on the two month anniversary, it's really exciting, uh, squashing bugs, coming up with uh, future plans for the development, uh, specifically uh, on my side, we've been looking at uh, different web stuff and thinking, hey, how can we retool this to be a little less hey, we're coming soon to, hey, we're out, we're on the market, and we're continuing development, working on some cool stuff behind the scenes, maybe a development roadmap you might see in the, in the near future. And, of course, just following up with people. Uh, we've got some, some interviews lined up uh, in the coming weeks. So we've got plenty of people, Let's Players, streamers, you know, just keeping those lines of communication open. And, of course, most importantly, I think, are the people who are playing the game, the they have questions, we have answers sometimes, and sometimes it's even more fun because they have really great suggestions that we get to forward to design and say, hey, uh, we, had, we had someone on the forums and they had this really cool idea for this element or this, this instance or for future content. 
Very cool. How, how often does that kind of actually make it through and, and become part of the game? Or at least, you know, potentially, like, look like it's actually going to become part of the game in this instance? Well, I think in our case, you know, when you're, when you're on the smaller side, you know, we don't have a team of, you know, 8,000 developers and artists and animators. You know, so us being on the smaller side, what you undertake, you really have to complete and, uh, and bring to market. So at this point, the plans that we have in place, um, we're planning to see through and uh, put out there for people to try and have fun with. Um, whether it's uh, some of the art-related stuff with downloadable content or expanding game features, I think we have a really strong plan to bring most, well over 90% of that uh, to market when it's available. Very cool. Very cool. Any of that uh, inspired by, by community suggestion? I think the community always plays a really powerful role and everything they send to me, uh, I go and have a conversation with design or shoot design a note, we have a little bit of a discussion about it and it makes it into our tracking system. And then from there it goes through feasibility checks and uh, some things may or may not, uh, can't, can't really uh, tell you at the moment because everything's still in a planning stage, but sure. in the coming months, in the coming year, we may see stuff that started a forum thread, started a tweet, and now it's live on Steam. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's pretty cool. We have a pretty, uh, a pretty fun fan base, and they have some great ideas. Of course, when it comes to gamers, you know, there are a lot of great ideas out there. Sometimes you don't like the way they say it, but generally <laughs> the, ideas, the ideas are really good and compelling. Sure, sure. Uh, now, did you guys do any sort of, uh, like, public beta testing or uh, was this kickstarted in, in any way? I, I didn't see anything about it, but I didn't know if, uh, if no, you had any kind of community input before the game launched. Well, so, I mean, maybe we're one of those few studios launching their first first game that did not go Kickstarter, uh, did not go any of that kind of funding route. And we didn't do a formal widespread beta, uh, but we absolutely did want to do um, some feedback testing with regard to game elements, story, um, how does it play, playability, feedback, comprehension. And so we did run a number of informal betas here in Austin, Texas. Sure. Um, invited kind of friends, family, and some closer contacts that we just made um, over time as we were developing the game. Invited them in at various points to get feedback. Hey, how's it looking? Do you feel like you know what's going on? The story understandable? And really received a lot of good feedback. And I got to say, it's also nice because when you have people face-to-face -face and in person and in the studio, they're kind of excited and they're also uh, generally going to fall more on the positive side. They have a lot of uh, nice positive things to say as well. So it was a good experience and we got a lot of good feedback. Yeah, being in Austin, it's it makes things a lot easier because there's so many game devs around. It's really easy to call a friend up or call someone you used to work with. Um, mm. Intel runs these cool workshops with indie devs going from high school kids and clubs to you know bedroom developers to I mean like fairly large size studios that get together and say, hey, here's what we put together. What do you think? Do you have any feedback? So location has definitely been a, a kind of beneficial element for us when it comes to getting people to try things out before we push anything. 
Sure. Now, um, as for the location, did did you guys just kind of happen to be there? Are you all from that area? Um, how many guys do you even have on the on the team? Uh, we're about 20, 25, I want to say. I, I, I'm sure there's someone who's like very angry right now that I didn't specifically have the count number. Uh, <laughs> we're about 20, 25. I actually came here. I, I brought the call yeah, from the a, East Coast. You're a relocation. You're, you're new to the area. Uh, I know several people actually came, wanted to come to Austin. Kingdom was a good fit and ended up here, but... Our, our founders are all Austin locals. Have been here for years and years, working at Vigil and Darksiders. Or a lot of people came from Portalarium, working on Shroud of the Avatar. Mm. Um, but we even have people who've been as far. Um, we have uh, Scott Welling, our animator, with the Volition on Saints Row and Red Faction. I think he came from Illinois before he came to Austin. So uh, people who've been here their entire lives, to people who came here for the job, people who've been here for, because the industry's here. It's a really cool environment if you're a game dev. It's a great place to be. Yeah, I gotta say, I, I come from a hardware background originally, and uh, I'm from California, San Diego, I was living in the Bay Area with my wife, and we were looking for uh, something else and had no, I mean, Texas and Austin weren't even on the radar. But um, anyways, opportunity, they did a great thing. They sent us out here, my wife and I, to just kind of check things out. And we were thinking, well, this will be a free vacation. There's no way we're going to move to Austin. <laughs> but, uh, man, it was funny. We're, we're driving to the airport and both looking at each other with that weird look like, we're really going to move to Austin. I mean, it, it's, it's a great town. It's got tech. It's got education. It's young. I mean, I'm sure you guys have, have heard about Austin music and um, just kind of the vibe that it has. It's it's just a it's a cool place to be, regardless of what industry you're in. Almost. What no one talks about is the food, though. The food here is bananas. It's so good. Anything you could want. Any culture. Any place. Any time. Awesome. Except for pizza, for some reason. Pizza. Yeah, not that good. I gotta say the pizza. Everything else Imme is awesome. Immediate disqualification. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, Austin. You've been disqualified for your your lack of good pizza. <laughs> so it fuels the development community. Yeah, how, how could you do that? When people, creative people get together, uh, there is often like a 60% chance that they are having some form of pizza. Uh, <laughs> it, sure. it is creative, creative fuel, uh, no good pizza uh, off the map. Sorry. Uh, it's alright, it, it's not your fault, you didn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> when you located, when you, you know, got located in Austin, that was not a... A uh, oh yeah, this place has horrible pizza, and we're gonna make it even worse kind of decision. No, that was <laughs> I think it's purely like, circumstantial. It's, it's uh, that New York influence. I don't think makes it this far out west. I think that's kind of like a negative too. Like New York style pizza, I think would be like a huge negative here. Like so, I guess that might be a part of it. I don't want to speak for all the uh, Texans here, but that would be my assumption. It's it's that it's that anti New York sentiment. Like no, we're Texas. Like, yeah, we do. That's fine. They come them. up with a good Texas pizza. But yeah. uh, having failed to do that. <laughs> but yeah, if, if you think about it like overlapping circles, I mean, you got California pizza, Chicago, and New York. And Texas is just so big, like the edges may have those influences. But once you start to get, you know, anywhere away from the edge of Texas, you're basically in another country at that point. So <laughs> you're just out of reach of, of those other cities, unfortunately. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
We do got the barbecue going on though. We've uh, we've definitely gathered around a brisket or two over the years. That's for sure. Nice, very nice. That's that's what you eat late at night when you're when you're coding video games. It's like, yeah, <laughs> bring me another plate of brisket. We gotta keep going. No, we're a market. We make demands. We don't. We, don't, we just make demands. Uh, you're the one bringing the brisket. Um. Exactly. Yeah, we, we we organize the fun stuff. We get to we get to handle all the uh, the fun aspects. They have to fix the bugs. We just we make them aware of concerns. They have to uh, deal with the consequences. Yeah. Nice, very nice. Now, how long have you guys been around? About two, two and a half years, I think. The initial concept came in May 2012 between our studio head and uh, the uh, uh, our lead investor, Phil. So our st studio head, James Parkman, and uh, our lead investor, Phil, had the idea in May of 2012. And I think over the next year, they put together resources and design documents and came to be what is Kingdom Games now, and it's been growing since uh, mid to early 2013 to where we are now, rolling into almost year three of Kingdom. Yeah, it's been, you know, five Guardians of David in development for a good two, two and a half years. And going. Yeah. And yeah, I guess, great point, we're not, we're not exactly we're not done yet. That's for sure. We got, we got a few things to add on and uh, make it even better. but. Uh, Definitely has been a fun project. I, you know, this is Eric, by the way. I've only been here since about middle of last year, so you know, six months or so. And you know, I'm well versed in the in the startup culture, especially coming out of the Bay Area, and just really like the you know the vibe and the team that we have here. The people really is one of those things where. Um, everybody sees where we're going and has their oars in the water to get us there and uh, it's been a lot of fun and I really have enjoyed working with Chris and uh, the, uh, the team that's here. Just an incredibly talented and dedicated group of guys. As you can imagine, you talked about people gathering around pizza. You know, when you're trying to finish up a game, it seems like it's all about caffeine and calories. So uh, they definitely... Uh, we're, we're putting in the grind and making it happen. Yeah, I, it's it's really great. Uh, my background, uh, I did really a lot of like social media stuff and helped with Twitch streams, a lot of indie devs. Uh, uh, as I was in school and working in education, I was working as a, I believe, if you can believe it or not, I was, I was a, a, a jack of all trades working in marketing, whether you need me to do web work or copywriting, whatever. I was the guy. I was that guy. But, uh, you go where the marketing called. Yeah, I, exactly. <laughs> the creative Swiss Army knife, as they called me. I was the, uh, the wild one. <laughs> uh, but it's so great to be in... Uh, and it's partially Austin, but I think it's also the game dev community. Is just, yeah. It's so great to be involved with people who speak our language. I mean, it's really frustrating when you want to tell someone, like, Man, if you play Pony Island, it's amazing, and they're just looking at you like, "What? What are you, what are you talking about?" It's just like, "No, you, you don't understand. It's this game. It's great. It's a story." And, and people just don't get it. Uh, it's really awesome and refreshing to be in an environment where people speak your language, they understand the same references you understand, and it it feels good to go to work. It feels sure. Yes. Yeah, I imagine if you mention uh, Pony Island to most people, half of them would either just ignore you, and the other <laughs> half would be like, dude, 
did you just like come out as a brony? Yeah. Like, is that what just happened? <laughs> what are you? We have our first brony reference. <laughs> yeah, but if you guys haven't checked but, it out, uh, check it out. Wow. I, I haven't actually, but uh, I want to. I've heard great it's, things about it. So it's very, very, very impressive. Good. Good to hear. So how did you guys end up with Dark Station? Is that uh, how did you guys come together? Have you have you been in the industry, or were you journalists, or just this is kind of like. Uh, the, the, uh, this is basically a side gig for both Brian and myself. Um, we we both work in uh, various levels of IT, right? I think. Yes. Brian? Yeah. Um, during the day, and this is uh, this is what we do for for fun at night. We we talk to video game developers and, and write reviews and um, you know game of the year lists and stuff like that. So, awesome. Yeah. So like five I've been yet? There there for, do what? Have you had a chance to play five yet? Uh, no, I have not had a chance to play it yet. Oh! Did they not, uh, that's all right, that's what we're here to talk about. You guys got to tell us what, what exactly here. 5 is. And yeah. why are there six pictures <laughs> on the Steam page? What are, you, what are you trying to do to me? It's it's the Hebrew 5. It's it's different than our 5. It's fine. It's, just, <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> a good way of putting it. <laughs> but no, in, in all reality, what what is 5? You, you have to tell us about Five. That is what we're here to talk about, anyway. Well, what would you like to know? We can tell you also. We could give you the elevator pitch. Give us the pitch. Start with the pitch. All right. Imagine you can go three thousand years in the past to the lands of Canaan. You can control five, the guardians of David. That is the guard. That is David from David and Goliath. You actually get to fight Goliath as David, but then you're thrown back into the five guardians, the five protectors of David sent out to do his bidding and do the work that he needs to done. It is awesome. Tons of loot. Tons of action. Tons of combat. Long, long story. 11-act story. Fully voiced over comic cutscenes. The comics are awesome. That that covers it. Oh, and uh, best, uh, my favorite aspect of the game. We got a name you guys may be familiar with. Dave Finoy. Does that ring a bell? No. 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 Dave Finoy, uh let me give you a character, Lee Everett. Oh. Dave Finoy yeah. is the voice. He is the man behind Lee Everett. He did okay. our, he played our narrator, our Nathan, and he voiced over the uh, uh essentially the entire story of the game. But he did a fantastic, fantastic he job. Does, man. Yeah, he he would make a good narrator. He's got he's got a good voice for that. We also have Adam Harrington. He might know um, from other Telltale games. Yeah, he was uh, he was Bigby, right? Yes. Yeah. All right. Yes. Very good. Bigby. We, we were actually going to interview him um, like a year and a half ago, and uh, the uh, the thing was set up through I don't know how, and um, I I tweeted out uh, for people to ask us questions to ask Adam Harrington. Uh, and then Telltale found out, and apparently they hadn't okayed it, uh, and so they canceled that interview. So I've never asked for questions on Twitter um, ever again because <laughs> I didn't want any interviews canceled because somebody didn't know about it. Uh, good policy, Jonathan. Good policy. <laughs> Telltale, Telltale are very friendly, but I think they're very nervous if, uh, about spoilers. And I, I've definitely noticed the voice acting community is very, very friendly towards independent press, and they're. 
they're really just awesome people. So that that's really unfortunate, but um, it happens. Yes, don't don't let them don't let them put you down. But uh, what what other uh, any other notable voice actors in the game? And and who is um, who is Adam Harrington in the game? If it's not a spoiler or something. That is a good question. I actually don't know who he voiced. <laughs> Oh, I don't want to give you the wrong. I want to say Eliezer, but we'll I'm pretty sure he was one of the five. But uh, I, I have to admit, I'm very bad about uh, Jonathan stumped us pronouncing the names of the five correctly. We should have asked you for the questions beforehand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that one I just thought of, so that you, I still would have sprung it on you. So sorry about that. But no, uh, it's all good. <laughs> so let, let's go back to this eleven act story. Um, that's a lot of acts. Yes. Can uh, can you tell us a little bit about kind of what's going on in the uh, the land of Canaan? Well, it, it spans uh, forty two levels or forty two maps, maybe more accurate, but let's, let's call them levels. Forty two levels of of the story of David as it extends past Goliath. Goliath, spoiler alert, I know it's a 3,000-year-old story. What, are you going to tell him the ending? I, I know. Uh, Goli- the Goliath fight is, is the third level in the game, so that's very early, and what happens mm. after that is where the, the real crux of our story is. And what we have is David's ascension to king, and eventually some betrayal, some adultery, some very intense storytelling and complex character development. David, um... It gets a little Old Testament. Yeah, it gets... That is a great way to put it. Uh, it, it goes pretty Old Testament. Uh, there's a lot of war. Canaan is, is rife with war. There are several tribes ranging from the vicious Amalekites to uh, the Edomites, uh... Uh, the Philistines, who are pretty much the arch enemies of the of the Israelites, uh, it's it's a story about being human. Ultimately, you're a human, and you're subject to the same temptations that we all are, be they greed or lust, uh, what have you. Okay, very cool. So, where where do the five guardians come into play in all of this? Because it sounds like it's mostly about David from from that kind of standpoint. Well, so, and, and the story of David, he shepherd boy to king. That's the backdrop. Um, hmm. He has he has an army of men that stick with him through thick and thin. You know, he's he's anointed king, but it's years before he becomes king. He's actually hunted uh, by the existing king Saul, um, trying to to find ways simply to survive. So he has this group of mighty men that are storied um, in the Old Testament, and he has five generals or five uh, bodyguards, protectors that he really leans on heavily. And so that's kind of the twist on the story. This isn't just, hey, you play David in kind of a one-player scenario, but instead you have these five heroes that are working in concert um, as they do all of the things behind the scenes to help keep David safe, help um, him rise and, and gain the throne. And then, of course, there's a whole political situation in that area of uniting the region and, and making it safe. Um, so you really have this situation where you're controlling these five very different heroes, 
all with different skills, capabilities, abilities that you get to customize, uh, whether it's ranged, one-handed, two-handed, tank, um, etc. Um, but if that's really kind of the twist on the story is you're not um, playing just a simple one character, David, as he goes through his life, but really that's the storyline, the story arc, but you control these five very different heroes as they go about doing all of the works that move the story forward. And then, of course, um, their perspective on their hero, on their king, David, as, of course, he makes decisions, uh, issues edicts, and then, of course, there is, you know, as Chris was saying, spoiler alert, there is some betrayal, there is uh, failings, there is, you know, the hero and the tragic uh, element of the story, and then how these five heroes that are really stuck with David, how they handle that. Um, so it really creates kind of a fascinating dynamic with these five guys and their perspective on, you know, the man that they idolize and then, of course, um, as he makes certain decisions, how they deal with that and how they choose to either stick with him or not. So how do you control the, the, the five characters? If you're coming at this together where, like, a standard kind of action RPG gives you control over one, but they're more kind of specialized, um, what's, what's the approach with having... Uh, one person control five people. Uh, well, it's a mouse-driven game. Uh, very similar. Uh, anyone who plays League of Legends, the original Diablos, you know, anyone who played has played a mouse-driven hockey game will will be will right at home with the control scheme. Uh, with that, uh, your function keys F one through F five are your abilities to instantaneously swap between any of the characters. Now, what one of our uh, artists, Travis uh, Koleski, has has shown is this awesome uh, ability to chain attacks together. So you might start off with a, uh, a, a swirl-sucking attack. I, I, know I don't use the technical terms in the game, but you can use Jasho Beam to suck in all the enemies and then switch to Shaman, throw a bomb at them, and then come in with Eliezer and just smash them and blow them up in the air. It's a really awesome kind of dynamic to add, well, in most RPGs, you're pretty much stuck with you, your class selection, and maybe a companion. Uh, really, where five gets a little interesting is what if you could have these different weapon types all at the same time? What if you could really experiment on one playthrough with all these different skill sets and how they commingle? Could you use a tank and a ranged character in a cohesive manner? And when people experiment with it, it's actually really cool to see even things we didn't think about, how they can come together and really complement each other with these different abilities. And the characters you're not using are working on their own while you're, while you're controlling the one, the, the one that you've chosen? Uh, they, the AI does function, so the characters will uh, all attack and help out, but that would be a little too easy if they could just have their, their base damage and their base stats when you start gearing people out. So there are, there are checks in place to do damage reduction and, and output reduction, so it's not simply the game plays itself. You, you have to do the crux, and you have your, 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 uh, your, your crew, your squad, whichever term you want to go with, with you, but the crux of the damage dealing, the, the attack strategy, that's on the player to figure out how you're going to handle it and when to start running for your life, eating some bread. <laughs> so is it uh, just that when you're not controlling them, or are they not doing kind of their special actions and their 
you know, base damage is kind of reduced by a certain percent, or do you know how that kind of yeah. works? Yeah, without getting too technical, essentially, yeah, it's 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 a damage reduction. They take reduced damage, they deal reduced damage, and yeah, they're not going to be using all their awesome special abilities. Gotcha. And so you said they take less damage, so you're less having to worry about them, like, dying. They're not going to just... Yeah, it's definitely not like an escort mission. Like, you got to escort gotcha. these four squishy gotcha. guys, and then you got to beat it. No, it's not like that. Nice. Very nice. Now, now having a party that big, um, that's that's really interesting because that kind of rides the, the line between the, the more Baldur's Gate-y kind of game where it's... Um, you know, much more tactical, and it also sounds more kind of like a Diablo-style game where it's very action-oriented. Um, where where does it kind of sit between those two, I guess, extremes of this style of, you know, mouse-based um, computer RPG? Well, uh, Titan Quest is the one that has been cited by so many people that have worked here as the, as the true inspiration. Um, okay. Obviously. Obviously, um, um, Diablo, Torchlight, Grim Dawn, all of these games definitely have an influence, uh, and they're awesome. Um, but uh, Titan Quest is definitely something, especially from James, has been like a huge inspiration to kind of capture that epic feel. And uh, when you... There's no tactical pause, which has been actually a kind of an interesting user-requested feature we didn't expect, and that, that's kind of interesting that you brought up Baldur's Gate, so maybe that is something we should uh, start looking into, is maybe we do integrate some sort of tactical pause, so it could be, if you wanted to play turn-based, um, kind of like how uh, Fall of the Dungeon Guardians, or um, uh, what's the other one? Grimrock. Grimrock have that kind of like tactical feature where you can pause the game, kind of get what you want, or you could play it as just an action game. So that might be worth investigating. But definitely more Diablo, uh, Diablo, Titan Quest, Torchlight, where it's, you gotta, you gotta get it done. There's a war going on, and there's a lot of enemies on screen. You gotta handle it, you gotta figure out which way you're gonna chain your abilities together, which work together. Should you start taking evade, uh, evade and let your kind of crew kind of let you regroup and figure out your stats or just make sure you go into every battle with the correct gear on. (laughs) But yeah, there are definitely, when you have that many characters to control, um, there's a lot of tactics that can go into that where you're, you know, you're attempting to stay on the offensive and use, uh, use kind of chain together special attacks going from character to character. Um, There still is damage being dealt and guys can Instead of being killed, they uh, they get incapacitated, so they'll take a knee. Um, and you definitely do need to keep track and keep an eye on the rest of your squad because you know somebody could be surrounded by four or five enemies. You know, all hell's breaking loose, and uh, and he's having trouble. And we do try and put the responsibility of success on the player. So the idea is, it's really uh, in his hands to go and go control that character who happens to be in trouble, go with some of his special attacks, try and get him out of trouble, um, heal him so he's back up to full strength. So it adds a level of complexity and depth that you just don't find in a lot of games where you're really focused on playing one hero, one character. Very cool. Very cool. Now, now a lot of games more in this kind of genre either... They generally tend to focus on, you know, really cool abilities and, like, massive 
um, skill trees, or they they focus more on you know letting your loot kind of be the way that you customize your character. What what route does this does uh, just Guardians of David go? It goes more the loot route. There's I disagree, Chris. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, well, you could be wrong. It's okay. <laughs> uh, definitely with you know different stats. It has a, a similar system to Diablo three in terms of stat rolls. There's not like um, named items like Borderlands. Like uh, I don't want to say like like there's no like badass Amalekite hammer. It's not like that, but. Uh, there should be <laughs> Philistine hammer of the whale. Uh, yes. the, the cultures. Uh, there's no uh, prefixes. Is what is the word I was looking for? There, there's no. Um, there's no prefix system, but there are different cultures have different weapon sets and different weapon styles. And uh, on the Steam page, you can see a screenshot of like the Amalekite with the crazy antlers and like stuff like that. And those, when they drop, will have a role similar to Diablo 3, where you have all these different stats, and if you play through the level again or play through those areas, you get different stats. And that all scales to your level. Um, the skills uh, are designed in a way that you can essentially try every skill on, on one playthrough, which is, is cool. So if you want to, there's not like a, a branching skill tree like a Borderlands or uh, a Van Helsing or something where you really have to go kind of this way and you're committed to that. It's more about experimentation. Hey, I tried this for a while. Hey, I'm going to try this too. And you don't have to feel like, oh man, I, I really invested in this left skill tree. I, I kind of want to see this stuff, but I don't know if I have enough skill points left. It's definitely more open in that way. So your real customizability is going to come from those different loot stats to be the epic Guardian with the Malachite, or maybe you go with something crazier. Uh, maybe you get some nice Philistine armor, maybe you get a nice spear. See, Jonathan, I totally disagree. I think uh, more of the characterization is going to come out of the skill tree and how you assign the abilities. The you know the, the loot and the gear, and I gotta admit, I'm a I'm a gear guy, gearhead. I get into outfitting and all that stuff. But I think uh, as you progress through the game, as you get later on, you really find that. It's how you've chosen to spend your, your points and develop those abilities and special attacks that are ultimately going to be the difference between success and failure. You've got to get those special attacks down. Uh, you have to use them effectively, and you even need to, to do comboing with your characters as well. And stringing together those, those special attacks, I think, is, um, is something that's more critical and really brings in that personal element as opposed to uh, the gear. Is there a is there a single skill tree, or are you kind of splitting things like almost like micro between um, the five characters? There's uh, six skill slots. Uh, among those six skill, skill slots, there are four abilities. Say four skill slots, slots five times fast. Skill slots, skills. Yeah, I'm not gonna say that. <laughs> All right. Uh, in the columns, there are six columns. Uh, in those columns, they each have four rows. Uh, the initial uh, six would be your, your first set of abilities. Uh, you uh, are not necessarily skill-treed in that way. Things are restricted to a slot, so you couldn't hotbar like every single tank damage attack, so you could just you know spam everything and just annihilate everything. It's a little, it, it's balanced in a way that you're restricted to those specific hotkey assignments, but Within that, I mean, uh, six times four, 24 abilities times five characters. There's a there's a fair amount of different skills and abilities that you could start equipping, and among buffs and you know there are buffs and taunts and 
crazy over the top abilities. You know, the, dare I say, the Jar of Hornets. Um, <laughs> Who doesn't love a good Jar of Hornets? Something akin to a Mortal Kombat Scorpion Spear. You know, there's there's some pretty wild stuff in there. Very nice. Is is the loot randomly generated, um, or is it more kind of specific items that you're picking up? Uh, the stats are randomly generated, uh, but there are uh, there are. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, essentially the loot. There's a drop table, yeah, and there and the stats okay. are randomly generated from the from the drop table and then scaled to your level. Cool, very cool. Awesome, it's amazing. What do you, John? Are you a, <laughs> you a skill and ability guy? Are you more of a gear loot person, or are you just like uh, uh, first person shooters? Uh, I, I like a, a blend of the the two. Uh, if I had to pick one over the other, I would say skill tree um, over uh, you know various weapon types. That's that's what I do. What about you, Brian? You roll. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I think it really depends when you get into something that um, uh, that that where the character itself isn't necessarily important. I think the gear goes a long way to. Um, making kind it of, unique, kind of making it more unique and, and more sure. kind of like an MMO sense, um, especially once you get to the point where um, the uniqueness of the skill trees really comes down to kind of finding the uh, the min or min max and the best builds. Um, mm, so yeah, in a, I hate that's uh, of all the things I don't like to min max. I like to be the best jack of all trades I can. Yeah, that. I, I, I can't commit to one tree or another. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think you'd like five skill system then because you're not you, that. I'm I'm with you. I'm the I'm the guy that's like getting killed in Fallout because I keep going. Well, I need more charisma, strength a little bit, but you know, just keep. I keep building so much that I don't have a strong enough base to advance. Um, in five, you're not really restricted in that regard. You can really experiment. If you really invest in a skill, you're like, ah, oh, it's not getting it done. It, it's not a, it's not a death sentence. You can easily continue on, just you know, start allocating your points. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Uh, well, well, tell us a little bit about the heroes that we are playing as. Obviously, they're they are the guardians of David, but uh, who are our heroes, and and how do you pronounce their names? Well. Uh, we can go. Well, there's a, there's some contention about Eleazar. I've heard uh, Elazar and Eleazar. So um, I've also heard Benaniah and Benaniah. <laughs> so not everyone. Uh, I might have to let Eric do this. But if it were me, it would be Abishai, Jashobim, Shama, Eleazar, and Benaniah. That sounds great. Yeah. See, I, I've always heard Benaniah as well. And as I was reading about the game, I was like, wait, there's no second in there. Yeah, it's sort My of, whole life is a lie. Yeah. Um. I, well, I I have gone back and forth on this. I enjoy Benaya's backstory the most, so I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about him. Benaya is this kind of like, he's this brute. He's a little cocky. He's killed a lion single-handedly is his kind of big claim to fame. But he's also done some missions where he's taken out some pretty powerful people. He took out two sons. He killed the two sons of the leader of Kebzeel. He's a he's a pretty good. I would call him the tank. He's the two-hander in our game. He's a he's a beast that wears the armor of a beast. So. I go back and forth, but I keep coming back to Benaya as my guy. And uh, one of these days, I'm gonna get a Benaya hoodie made where it's just the hood oh, is, a, is a lion head. But 
Can't find it in the budget yet, but I'm working on it. I, uh, I flip on the other side on this one as well. I'm more of a ranged guy, so, and there's two ranged options, uh, Shama and Abishai. And for whatever reason, Abishai, he's got the bow. Maybe I just feel like that's cooler than the sling Shama's using, but um, I like Abishai. And he's, you know, through the, through the story, what you read about him in the Old Testament is that um, he's uh, a, a little bit more sophisticated, He's a, a general, led, leads a, a third of David's army, um, and he's the ranged guy, and I really like playing him and his abilities to be able to kind of snipe and, uh, and pick through the enemies while Benaiah there is, uh, is tanking and uh, smashing them to smithereens. So that's where I would fall on the character side. I like Abishai, second choice, Shama, and and I really do like the Chara Hornets. I think that's just an awesomely unique, interesting weapon to be using. Uh, who would have thought of that? If you want, and if you want ragdolls, you got to go with a nice, good bomb from Shama. Nice, good Zelda-style <laughs> bomb. Just toss that sucker in there, and because that was in the Old Testament. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely, absolutely. Yep. Josh Green sounds like he's stuck in the wrong century. Um, he needs yeah. to be commanding some sort of spaceship. <laughs> a little bit of artistic license here and there. Gameplay is king. Gameplay is king. Very nice. Very nice. Now, now you mentioned um, kind of uh, taking care of you know stuff from afar with a, a bow and arrow, and uh, letting uh, was it Jashabim who's the the two handed character? Uh, uh, Abishai's the archer. At, right, Abishai's, but the um, like the the powerful melee guy. Oh, uh, that's Benaya. Benaya. That's Benaya. Okay. Um, it it sounds like this game would be perfect for co-op. Is there any sort of co-op in the game? <coughs> uh, we have uh, no official announcement on. Okay. Um, <coughs> I'm sorry. There's there's something stuck in my throat that I want to say that I can't. Uh, yeah, there must must be some like dust out there or something. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, yeah, it's no Texas. Official. There's lots of dirt, like dust storms. It's it's crazy. We have no yeah. official announcement on cooperative. It is something we are heavily investigating. Um, okay. But we, we don't have any formal announcement or anything beyond saying we are looking into it, uh, and we will keep the community and everyone updated as as time goes on. But John, are you in, are you invest, investigating in the same way that the GCPD investigates Batman? Or are you investigating as, like, this were something real? Um, we're investigating. It's, it's being investigated. Things, uh, are, things are happening. Like I said before, we don't have time to uh, waste and explore things that, you know, aren't going to make it to market. And, and like you said, John, you kind of cracked the code. Just with regard to the fundamental elements of the game, it seems as if it would lend itself well to uh, cooperative play. All right, well, we'll just have to see how things seem in the future. Exactly. <laughs> All right. All right. I got to tell you, I'm uh, just kind of staying on that whole that whole theme. I'm a huge fan of co-op. I love, uh, sometimes I think my son puts up with me, but I love just sitting on the couch, and uh, we're right now we're playing uh, Diablo. Um, Fantastic. We're on the Xbox, though. I, I gotta say, I love the controller. Um, 
PC, mouse, keyboard. I like that too, but man, I'm really falling in with a controller on the Xbox. So, and then of course, yeah, it was cool. Blizzard decided they were finally gonna gonna tackle that. Um, they did a really nice job. The uh, the circle menus and getting around the um, uh, getting around the different screens, uh, they made it real easy. Yeah, yeah, Victor Victor Ferrand did, did a similar system, and just like that, uh, you, it's like you've never played an action RPG before when you play Victor Brand. It's like wow, this is so. It feels so different. It's amazing just changing that control scheme a little bit could make it feel so different. And that dodge roll does. I, I you know, I want oh. that on mouse and keyboard, and it's like it's not there. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of hard to to get. Yeah, diagonal and dodging is a little difficult on the mouse and keyboard. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Is is there controller support for five? Uh, I've worked with the Steam controller a bit to get kind of a cool setup, but being that it is mouse driven, uh, there is not at the moment. Okay. Um, again, things are always being looked into. Uh, there there's a prioritization. Uh, so that one would be lower on the investigation uh, front uh, compared to something like cooperative, but it's definitely something that we have noticed too to be like, what what would it take to get a functional on like a 360 or an Xbox One controller? Um, but again, no formal statements on that. Yeah, no small undertaking either. That's yeah, it's, sure. it's, it, it would seem, it's always the simple things that would seem to be simple but can actually require a lot of Different things, like 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 you said with the circle menus, it, it uh, everything was always designed with a mouse and keyboard in mind. So it would be a, a large undertaking um, to get it, to get it functional. Is there sure. any chance that uh, that David and his band of golden goons um, kind of <laughs> spread out onto the consoles? Uh, we we would definitely like to, uh, but as development continues, uh, you know, it's always a consideration. You have to recertify whenever you patch. So, uh, if we make that foray, it would be after we have we've uh, closed the lid, so to speak, on on development. I think we have some pretty cool plans coming up uh, before we foray into that market. But it's definitely something we've had many people say, uh, especially uh, the we've Xbox. had some heated discussions. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah, um, but mm-hmm. it's it's uh, not always. Again, it's it's like. There's so many variables, and it's uh, when you have a, a smaller staff, that is probably one of the weaknesses, is, is there's a lot of things you want to do, and uh, what takes priority is uh, it's always a tough one, a tough call. Sure. Absolutely. Well, Brian, do you have any other uh, questions before we go into the end game here? Brian, are you alive? I'm here. I'm here. Yep. Sorry, there was a dog barking. I have, happens. I have to have uh, precise control over my mute button because uh, we have uh, we have two dogs. We have a uh, one that's kind of a big um, huskyish gentle giant, and then a corgi that thinks he's a lot louder than he should be. Uh, they're always protecting us from the dangers of like flowing air and people walking downstairs and every possible imagined danger outside. There's oh. a game in that I can I can argue. Yeah, absolutely. It, it'd be, I imagine it would be something like um like among the uh, among the sleep, um, with that yes. little kid walking around the dark house. But it's just a dog who is just constantly afraid of everything and needs to warn everybody that danger is there. Yeah. 
It sounds kind of like our house because we have a great Pyrenees, big old white dog, and then my wife got a little, uh, what is it called, a Yorkshire Terrier or whatever. Um, so we definitely have, you know, the big and little dynamic going on with the dogs here. I so much love for a dog when you call it that little thing. <laughs> <laughs> totally. totally. You know, it's, it's always meant with love. Because you, you don't actually do anything about it. You're just like, oh, man, that dog. Yeah, exactly. That okay. dog. So, but anyway, yes, back, do, back to my question. We definitely do want to end uh, with our end game. Um, it's a little uh, questionnaire that we like to do at the end to, to kind of uh, encapsulate everything. Uh, about you guys and kind of work it down to its most essentials. Um, so, uh, first question, who is uh, your favorite video game protagonist? And both of you feel free to answer. Uh, I can tell you right away, because I'm actually going to get a dog and name this, it's going to be Ratchet. Uh, I'm a huge, huge, nice. huge Ratchet and Clank fan. Uh, I'm going to buy a PS4 just to play the, the new one when the movie comes out. That, we should be friends. That is my. We should. That is my Star Wars. Is the Ratchet and Clank movie? Everyone's getting so excited about the Force Awakens. It's awesome. That's great. But Ratchet and Clank this spring. That's my Star Wars. I will be the the twenty five year old crying in the back of the theater. So just, <laughs> that's how happy I will be. Uh, I might cosplay for it, but uh, definitely Ratchet. I love his humor. I love his character progression. I love all the things they've done to take him and all the things they do about like uh, friendship and stuff really get the feels going in me, similar to most of those like Seth Rogen movies like Pineapple Express or something where there's that moment at the end where they're best friends. Like I always go to this one scene in uh, it's a crack in time or it's one of the PS3 ones where like he thinks Clank's dead, and they come back together, and like they're about to hug, but then there's a girl looking, so they like they like back away. Brilliant storytelling, Insomniac, great job, GG. I love so Ratchet's my guy, all the way. Nice. What about you, Eric? I gotta go with my own Demon Hunter Diablo character right now. I'm kind of in love with him. Um, that's my favorite. He's got all the personality. He's got the ranged character. That's that's perfectly acceptable. Are you a, a double crossbow man, or are you a, a single uh, bow of doom? I am a single bow man with the quiver. Um, to be honest with you, I haven't been able to figure out how to get those two hand crossbows to work effectively. It seems like whenever I've tried to, to left and right hand it, I end up uh, just less effective and not getting the job done. So... Give me one, uh, give me one really good bow and a nice quiver. All right. Excellent. Okay. Well, flipping the coin, question number two: Who is your favorite antagonist? Oh, that is a really good question that I wish you sent me beforehand because I could go into this. Um, well, I won't give you my favorite, but I'll give you one that's really memorable, and it's going to be a spoiler alert for anyone listening, if you ever played Knights of the Old Republic, uh, Revan. Oh. I really, really love the idea that you are the antagonist to your own game, and your decisions in that game could have been you. Like, were you, and I was, I was being the bad guy, and I think Bioware knew you were going to be the bad guy. I'm the one going through terrorizing... Hello killing kids and stuff, and then there's that great reveal, and you're like, 
I'm still a monster. I had a chance, and I'm still a monster. I just I, that that dynamic is so 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 well done. And I wish you gave more time. I would have picked something a little bit uh, more niche. I mean, that's a I'm sure a million people have, have said that one, but Revan was actually you were the first one to I say don't Revan. Think so yeah, really? Okay, yeah. awesome. Then go, go me. We've been doing this for over two years. You were the first yeah. one to say Revan. Good job. Awesome. What if you were gonna? Say something more niche. What what would it be? Go for it. Um, you know, I really liked the biker in Hotline Miami. I know he's just one boss, but there was something really fascinating about him and just his whole art style and just when you get to play those extra four levels as him, I was just like, this is a really kind of cool, weird character. I really, um, I, I consider Jacket the protagonist. Though. I mean, Jacket's obviously my favorite, but the idea that like there's this boss that you play as and it's part of the greater story. Like, I was really interested in biker. Okay. I think I think when you're talking protagonists, you've got to go with the ultimate. I'm sorry, antagonist. You got to go with the ultimate. Uh, Three thousand years old, still relevant today. You got to go with Goliath. That's he's the ultimate antagonist. That's a good one. <laughs> I mean, overconfident. He's got this enormous spear. Um, that would be my choice right there. And uh, oh, would that be a shameless plug for Five Guardians as well? Oh, yeah, Five Guardians of David, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, okay, this okay. whole podcast is kind of a shameless plug, so <laughs> yeah. it's okay. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay. That's what we're here for. <laughs> All right. Very nice. Excellent. Okay. So uh, question number three. Um, uh, is there any uh, trend or, or something in video games today that... Um, you think is is smaller than it needs to be. It, it's something that needs to grow, and, and everybody needs to to start doing or, or kind of start caring about. Um, well, I hate to be that guy, but I'm a writer, and what I what I would like to do is end up is writing games. And I think um, you, there the the indie scene is really coming up with really innovative ideas, like Pony Island, like Highline Miami. Um, like the Talos Principle, where you're telling really, really, really powerful stories that are engaging and interesting and make you think beyond shutting the game down. It's all just kind of like action, you know, uh, beat it, done. And you do see a couple things through the cracks, but I think for the most part, we don't see a lot of really, really powerful storytelling. And, uh, you know, uh, Dave Finoy at Walking Dead, I was a big skeptic until I played it, blown away. Uh, and I and I think uh, what really attracted me to Kingdom when I when I interviewed and they told me the story was telling me this great story of the complexity of David as a character and developing his arc um, was something that really intrigued me and made me happy to see that you know, okay so here's another studio in the industry that's trying to push a story it may be an older story but it's still it's a story about being human it's, it's let's let's talk about a story about being human and it does get to things that are. Um, it is a team-rated game, but it does get on some topics that are very relatable and, and uh, even tough to talk about for some people. So definitely would like to see more powerful storytelling in gaming. And, uh, of course, I would also like to see the survival games just stop. Could we just stop? <laughs> That's the that. next question. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll give you a preview. <laughs> Well, you know, it's funny because I want to say it was just a couple of days ago that um, we were sending around an article that was talking on you know, kind of the open letter to developers and, and what do people really want in a game that developers are not doing or not doing enough of. And I, and I know for me, I enjoy 
so much the social elements and playing games with my kids. And so that cooperative element on a single system, on a single screen, that for me is something that really seals the deal. And that's what I'd like to see a lot more of. It seems that there are so few games where you can all be in, in, in a room together, um, hanging out, all looking at the same thing, all playing on the same screen, uh, and of course solving, surviving, um, and thriving cooperatively. Um, that's, that's the thing that I'd like to see a lot more of. That's actually something I ran into a, an issue with um, here pretty recently. I went to visit a friend and I, I took my Xbox with me and I only had, um, you know, single-player games, because that's generally what I play. Um, but uh, we, we went to, like, Redbox to, to rent some games, and we're going through stuff, and it's like everything was, all the multiplayer was online. There was almost no yeah. couch yeah. co-op. And I'm like, what? Wait a minute. When did this happen? <laughs> I know. Yeah, that's, that, it was that's sad. a rising trend. It's I, killing I, me. I don't know. It's Battlefront. <laughs> That's only online, right? Like that was the one that really shocked me. Is I think Battlefront. Uh, no, Battle Battlefront has a uh, a two player split screen. Oh, it does. But okay. it's split yeah. screen, and that's I don't. It just you don't have the same feel when you're split screen. You know, sometimes it's difficult to know. Okay, where, you know, where is the guy I'm playing with? Where is he at on the screen? What's he doing? Um, so oh, you're talking about screen lock co-op. Yeah, where okay. you're all. all you know, you're on the couch playing together, and you're also drinking in the exact same scene on one big screen. Gotcha. Sure. Yeah, Lego does that really well. They have a nice animated yeah. effect where it goes to split screen and then can merge back. Like that's that was some of the coolest tech. Yeah, just... that that diagonal split the the diagonal cut that they do um, that is was... fantastic, and I've never that's seen another game that that doubles that. Whoa, that is. That was that was an impressive piece of tech when they worked on that. Honestly. Sure, sure. Yeah. All right, uh, Brian. Next so, so as hinted question. at earlier, um, the, the, this question also kind of flips the script. Um, what is something in video games that you'd like to see uh, just go away completely? What trope would you like uh, just not to be there anymore? Oh, I mean, it doesn't have to go away completely. I, I like every like I like puzzle games. I, I've played visual novels that are good. Like I've played stuff all over the gambit that I really did enjoy. Uh, I just I'm sick of the survival stuff. It's just come on, man. It's like every week there's a new one, and it's just like this is taking this element from this one. This is taking this element from that one. It's like I get it. It was a huge trend. There's huge player bases. World building is cool. The MMO aspect of a first person game is great, but I've just I've seen enough. Like we we had enough of the early access survival games. We'll just develop it forever. I think I think we can I think we can close the book on that. Like we close the book on the voxel builder games, and we can move on to whatever the next iteration is. Like something like Lego Worlds is actually kind of an interesting twist on that genre. Um, but uh, I've had enough. No more survival games. <laughs> Brian, we need to make a law. We need to make a law, and it needs to be passed today, and it needs to be no more sequels. Everybody should have to take their best shot with one game, and then you're done. you got to move on to something else. You're, stand, you're standing on this hill alone, man. Yeah. I can't. <laughs> no more. Or have a cool down on the reboots. Do we need a reboot of a reboot? Like five years later, like can we? Stop I can get behind that? that totally. Like we like stop calling it a reboot if you just made a game three years ago. It's not a reboot. 
<laughs> now I'm not I'm not a big fan of reboots of reboots, but when you make sequels to reboots of reboots, then I'm okay with those for some reason. Yeah, like like the uh, like the Tomb Raider series. Like I'm, I'm yeah, exactly. That's that's really what I'm talking about. To see, uh, I haven't played the sequel yet. So I'm a PC. Only. It's really good. You should yeah, play that's it. Yeah, that's what I'm playing. I'm very excited. Like so, then that is a sequel to a reboot of a reboot. So there you go. There yep. that is exactly. Well done. That's why well it's done. okay. <laughs> How about you guys? What do you guys want to see never, or, or done less, never done again? What's your pet peeve? Um, I, I could see, I could stand to see less sequels, but not no sequels. I, I get attached to things, and I, I like to see multiple versions of them. But uh, I guess yearly sequels, things like Call of Duty and Assassin's Creed, they, they, they don't need to come out every year. That, that doesn't need to be a thing. It's, what, what the about- trend is becoming actually like quarterly sequels now I mean, there's there are a lot of titles on the market that you you should you should look at some wikipedia articles you'd be surprised how many games come out in a year from a certain that is true oh, absolutely. you count the sports games like you know there's madden 2013 2014 2015 do you you count those as sequels um i, I guess so um I, I don't really play them so i i don't really have a a dog in that fight. So. Iterations on a theme. Sure. I, I think it would be great if they took like two years to develop a game and then in the interim just did some kind of big expansion um, for the game and, you know, obviously like roster updates and stuff like that um, and gave themselves more time instead of having to basically remake a game each year. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but, but I also understand the, the nature of specifically the sports games and you know the fact that we do have seasons every year it it makes sense more so than things like new call of duties and new assassin's creed each year because at this point they're just running out of ideas you don't run out of ideas when it comes to sports <laughs> stick it stay in your box just stay in your box <laughs> run three yards fall down pile up yep that's how you do it All right. All right. Next question. So you guys are kind of living the dream, you know, involved in game making, um, out there putting out uh, not only your own creative works, but you know, your kind of heart and soul out on the internet and, and hoping people, uh, hoping people go for it. Um, if you were given the chance with no restrictions, um, is there any other dream uh, profession you'd like to chase? What a dance! <laughs> All right. Hey, with the uh, stars? Absolutely. If you want to dance, you, you dance. Don't let anybody uh, stop you. Uh, I mean, obviously, writing, I think I'm kind of funneling a lot of my creative stuff from, like, I, I, I make music and I, I write, so I'm slowly learning to, to uh, you know, programming and uh, funneling that to game dev, but uh, my other passion is uh, talk radio, actually. I'm a huge... Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, I'm a huge Howard Stern, Alex Jones, Opie and Anthony, Joe Rogan, Kevin Smith. Like I'm a, I am a talk radio junkie. If I could uh, run my own radio show, I would, and that's why I do Twitch every Thursday uh, here. That's my, uh, that's the way I funnel that that urge to do Twitch live from the studio, and I get kind of that talk radio vibe out of it. Nice. That is a that is a really tough question because this really is the dream job. I mean, I remember uh, when I was just starting out here, talking with my 
kids, talking with my wife, and like, this is a dream job. I have hit the mother load. It's, so, <laughs> but I guess to try and come up with something else, um, you know, I'm a sports guy, love sports, love all kinds, and I think kind of veering off of your theme, um, doing sports radio, sports talk radio, I can listen to that, and I could do that 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I don't know if it's better than this gig, but it would be interesting, that's for sure. You guys are living the dream, though. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> IT is, is, is a rough industry because it's, when everything's going good, they go, what do these guys even do? Yep. And then and when something goes bad, wrong, it's our fault. Why aren't they doing it? Yes. Yep. Yeah, you guys kind of are in that, that thankless industry, unfortunately. But you guys get to do the interviews and be connected to the game industry. and uh, oh, Totally, that part's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. It is, yeah. That, that's why we do it at 8.30 at night. Yep. <laughs> now it's coming, up on nine, it's coming up on 10 o'clock out there for you guys. It is, but we started at 8.30, so, you know. Sure. It's all good. It's all good. Uh, next question. Um, if you could go back and play any game um, with kind of fresh eyes, uh, what would it be? Psychonauts. Man, the first sure. time Psychonauts. Oh, that game's... Uh, 3D platformers are kind of my thing. I don't know if that's that's come through, but Psychonauts is just... Uh, I've probably beaten it like five, six times or so, probably 100% it once or twice, and just... The the joy of really having that moment of exploration of every level is so different, and it just feels so fresh. As uh, you know, and everyone's going to cite the Milkman level, but I mean, it's just it's so fresh and so clean, and so different, and no, nothing has really come like that. And uh, we'll see if they can pull it off with Psychonauts too. It's, it's it's big shoes to fill, but man, it would be great to be like uh, like I don't know, fourteen, thirteen. Just play that all over again, and just be like, no one knows what this is. This is amazing, and uh, great game, excellent. I so, are, are you excited for Psychonauts too? I am not a backer, but I'm very excited. Uh, okay. I, did, I didn't get in. Uh, Fig is kind of. I've never backed anything on Kickstarter or Fig. It's a little strange to me. Uh, I don't really understand it, and it's just a lot of stuff. So I will be first in line. When it's uh, if it's a box copy on PC or if I can create it on Steam, whatever it is. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, I'm very excited. I mean, when I I almost started crying at work when uh, Kasha and QA was like, you know, they announced Psychonauts two last night. I said, shut up, you tired about it's not bothering me. <laughs> it's like no, seriously, look. And I said, oh my, that's that's Sasha nine. That's me. Uh, oh my. Don't play with my emotions. Yeah, it was it was it was pretty embarrassing. I was like, I am in people. I think I'm gonna cry. Psychonauts too exists. This thing. I'm gonna need a moment. I, I did. <laughs> I, I was kind of like that when they announced the uh, the Final Fantasy VII remake. I mean, that's not even my fam- like my favorite Final Fantasy, um, but just kind of hearing that they were redoing it, I was like, oh my god, they're they're they've actually done it. They're actually doing it. What what is going on? What yeah, is happening here? Like, the internet went crazy. That was, like, the day the internet went silent. <laughs> it was like, what? How? It's, is it going to be good? Oh, man. that That's another one that I think... That that got people when it came out, too. Like, that was... It, it's hard when you have such an innovative product like that. It's just like, Yeah, oh. I mean, well, you know, like, as a kid, that, that pulled me away from Nintendo. Because up until that point, 
it was a uh, you know, I, I had an NES, I had an SNES, and then I had a Nintendo 64, and that was the first one where it was like, okay, you've taken my favorite series, you've put it on a completely separate console, and that's the only where I could place I could play it. I have to get one of these now. Get that big fat CD case with the was oh yeah with the it. three discs inside that was it's three discs that was nuts. Oh, sorry. that was totally crazy indeed yeah. I'll I didn't hear both of them. I was just going to say I'll chime in with mine, and I'm going to go. I'm going to go way old school, and back to the Commodore 64 and the first Ultima games that came out. I remember those hours on, and and I just wonder what it would be like to look at those graphics, the whole 2D thing, kind of first uh, open world. Um, yeah, I think, uh, and of course, I might cry a little bit, just like Chris did, just at the thought of uh, kind of reminiscing and the nostalgia over it. Um, that was really the first series for me that kind of got me into into gaming. Very nice. Have you seen the uh, the Kickstarter for was it Underworld um, Ascension? I think, which is not a you know, not a spiritual successor to the proper Ultima series, but the Ultima Underworld games. No, I might have to check that out. Yeah, it's uh, it looks kind of neat. It's gonna be you know first person you know dungeon crawler sort of thing. How much? Cool. How much money are they looking for? Do you know? Uh, they they successfully uh did their Kickstarter. I I I don't remember when they actually it, it's being made by a studio called Other Side Entertainment. And uh, they're actually the studio that recently announced that they're making System Shock 3 as well. Right, that's where I heard uh, yeah. which, which seems like a crazy undertaking. Um, <laughs> Let's just but, remake uh, all the darlings. <laughs> Let's just start remaking <laughs> darling games. Let's see. Well, let's make some sequels and see what happens. They're playing with uh, emotions. Yeah. That's a dangerous game they're playing. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I know they were successfully funded, but I, I don't remember how much they they made. So oh, you had me kind of convinced. I think, hey, maybe I'll even throw some money in the pot here. Uh, well, they're they're doing uh, a similar thing to a lot of other studios where they're allowing you to continue to pledge even after the Kickstarter is over. So you can actually go to their their website and essentially pre-order they're, the game. They're using if you the Star Citizen model. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> you may have you may have just sold the copy. <laughs> Did you hear that other side of entertainment? I expect my royalty right. check in the mail. Anytime now. Um, <laughs> That's what we call affiliate marketing. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> uh, they made um, 800000 um in in the Kickstarter. So Very good. Was, Very good. So, And they have continued. They've made... Uh, it's gotten up to 915 so, getting pretty close to a million there. I'm impressed. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Brian, we got, uh, what, two more questions? We got one more question. We are at the end, sir. Oh. Final question. <laughs> at the end of our lives, when we come to the gates of the Mushroom Kingdom, and Toad is there to welcome us with the Book of Our Deeds, what would you like him to say to you before he lets you in? Uh, it's a good one. Uh, I'd probably say I will. I will give you the knowledge of how to work Unreal Four because it's 
not the easiest thing to learn. <laughs> here, here, Chris, take the knowledge of all Unreal. Here you go. That would be what I wish for. Uh, nice. I, I guess um, I just like him to hand me a cold, frosty beer. That would be a beautiful thing and a nice topper <laughs> to an amazing life. Any specific nice. kind of beer? You know, I could go with a lot of them. Um, I've been drinking, I, you know, on the light side, you know, as I'm getting older, I'm drinking a little more light beer, and, and I've fallen victim to the Heineken light. But i got to say, just about anything from Sierra Nevada does it. Um, we have some, I, I, I'm a bit of an IPA guy as well. Um, mm. So, and then there's the dark stuff. You just, you can't be Guinness. And then Schwatten Optimator would be, one, like if I was, I, I guess, since we're celebrating, I would go Schwatten Optimator. Yeah, I mean, and it's heaven. You don't have to worry about calories anymore. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's perfect. We're exactly. all 20, young, and looking good. Yeah, and that, that Guinness was poured by a proper... Irish, um, you know, bartender took two minutes to pour. Correct. It's, it's or by a top to it. Or a leprechaun. <laughs> sure. Sure. All right. Yeah. That's I want to hear your guys' answer to that question, though. Oh, no. No, no, no. I've answered no. that once. That was for my wife. Uh, it was in the shower. <laughs> ah. I, was, I was ambushed with that question. It, 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 only, get, it only gets done once. Uh, otherwise, I'm a keeper. Of, uh, of of all the genuine answers and then the horrible people who say that your princess is in another castle. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, nice. Oh. That's good. Well, but that's it. We've, we've reached the end. You have successfully passed the purely opinion quiz. Um, thank you for taking it. We have no prizes for you other than our, uh, our respect and undying admiration. Uh, but there is one thing left, and that's for Jonathan to take us home. Well, Eric, uh, Chris, thank you guys so much for joining us and talking to us about Five Guardians of David. If you could send us out by letting our listeners know where they can go to find out more information about the game. Absolutely. We are Kingdom Games. We are located in Austin, Texas. So you can find all of our social media and all of our fun stuff under Kingdom Games ATX. I host a weekly Twitch stream for about 30 minutes an hour with someone from the dev team on twitch.tv slash kingdomgamesatx and you can see us play the game, talk about the dev cycle, sometimes we go and show you the back end of what we're doing. Uh, tomorrow um, we're going to do uh, the Goliath encounter, uh, in the future we'll do some gray boxing stuff, we do art streams once a month with our art director Steven Nelly of Shroud of the Avatar fame. and other projects you may have heard of, like Murdered Soul Suspect. Uh, Kingdom Games ATX on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, you name it. Of course, we have Five Guardians of David on Steam. You can find us at KingdomGames.com and FiveGuardiansOfDavid.com, which is going to get a fresh coat of paint in the next few weeks, so it'll have a nice, really cool parallax look to it. And you can thank me for that. Um, yeah, if anyone ever wants to get in touch with anyone from the studio, you can always shoot email to marketing at kingdomgames.com or info at kingdomgames.com or post on Steam forums or just shoot us a message on one of those social media platforms and you'll be talking to me and I'll get you to whichever way you need 
you go. Well, guys, thank you again so much for, for talking to us. And um, good luck as you guys continue to kind of, you know, squash bugs and develop the game and, you know, potentially put in features that might allow multiple people to play a game together. Theoretically, um, I, I didn't hear anything. That's, that's why it's all theoretical. Uh, but, yeah, good luck as you guys continue to do that. And, uh, yeah, we'll talk to you in the future.